0: Goblin mode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Julia Fox, Isabella Blow, Cara Delevingne. What do those three women have in common? They uh, are. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know if we were sisters. Yeah, I, I'm is like, am I supposed to answer that? Is it a rhetorical question? Maybe I should make it funny and be like, do you guys have any ideas? Like, you're my pupils. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, okay, I'll try it again. That sound, is that funny?
1: Like I can't think of like a wrong guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they all killed themselves. Oh. Um oh my God, is- oh, no. I'll just do it. I'll just I'll answer it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll start again. Julia Fox, Isabella Blow, Cara Delevingne What do those three women all have in common? They're all fashion muses.
1: Yay! Um, Yeah, being a muse has been a hot topic lately because of Miss Julia Fox. She said in an interview that um, she was Jeff Safety's muse when he wrote Uncut Gems, and she's also Ye's muse. So it got us thinking, you know, what is a muse and what kind of significance does it have to society, Um, especially in fashion? You know, the, the relationship between a muse and a creator is responsible for... A lot of good vibes but it also can be problematic I don't know
2: yeah it seems like um it there was a lot clearer definitions around what a muse was up until perhaps the early 21st century things started to fragment and the fashion muse itself compared to the classical muse you know, you know it could be it's interesting to compare the two things and <laughs> <laughs> this
1: Sorry. Is like a seminar. Uh, so the word muse, it has some really OG history, like in Greek mythology, the muses were these inspirational goddesses that uh, pre-literate Greek people would um, call upon when they needed to get the creative juices flowing, whether it be through poetry or music or art or whatever. And this concept is really funny to make us imagine just when you didn't have a library or the internet and you were just like, oh, like a made up person, like strike my brain. <laughs> um, but inspiration still is important to our society, even in this mood boardy age and having a person be your inspiration. I pray that you all... <laughs>
0: Find that. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. No, (laughs) I agree with that. It's it's (laughs) harder to have them use in the internet age in some ways. But what you just said about the Greeks, what's, wait, they were pre literate? Like, how pre literate? Yeah.
2: No, they were pre literate. Yeah. Yeah, The
1: archaic period in Greece was like, they didn't have writing.
2: That's Mm -hmm. why everything was in hexameter poetry because they, all, all of their myths and their cultural products, like the Odyssey and stuff, it was passed down orally so it's easy to memorize like a Mm. poem that rhymes or a song so this is also why i think muses are are associated with the word music because back in the day when they were first coming up they were singing i guess
0: guys (laughs) there's a quote from john galliano about the ephemerality of the muse that relates to what alexi was kind of making fun of, of like the greeks being like oh this person doesn't exist so inspiring to me um really beautiful john galliano said to new york mag she's always elusive i'm always chasing her she's an essence a spirit like a perfume <laughs> i don't really ever want to catch her because that's what keeps me going which definitely ties into one of the that's lovely it's beautiful That ties into one of the arguments against the muse is that they don't really exist or like the idea of the muse is transposed onto a real person and that person can ever exceed those expectations, I guess. Well, this is where I think it could be
2: interesting to maybe explore what the purpose of a muse was at its origin. So the, the concept itself is actually kind of a Western concept. Yeah. In the Eastern world, um, there are not many parallels to the Western conception of the muse. Um, and she was first conceived upon because the Greeks believed that knowledge and creativity were divinely inspired and the muses were invoked as intermediaries between man and God. And if you read, you know, probably everyone read the Odyssey in high school, you don't have to remember, and it's probably, it's kind of boring, but throughout the Odyssey, as in throughout a lot of other Greek works, the muses are, are kind of just side characters. Whenever like the main character is kind of there's a lull in action and he cannot progress past like the god's arbitrary restrictions around his actions he calls upon the muse and i think this is interesting in terms of the fashion muse because even throughout all of uh, artistic history the muse is like a secondary character but the fashion muse is almost like the first time that the muse becomes a main character uh, and that she's put at the forefront it's almost like the first time in history where the muse herself can participate in the art that's being created
1: that's really interesting how the muse becomes a subject but then at the same time i feel like there's like a huge argument that's like as you mentioned muses used to occupy this role that was like between heaven and earth like this very exalted figure and I feel like it, or the argument is that it's somewhat, like, dehumanizing or, like, objectifying in a different way because you're refusing to accept this person as, like, a person with thoughts and feelings, etc. and you're just, like, they're mm-hmm. like, my inspiration, which is, like, a lot of, like, problematic male artists would be, like, oh, my muse, and then it's just, like, a random girl who, like, doesn't talk but then it like gets revealed at some points through art history that it was actually a collab and like by calling a girl your muse you could kind of just like make her your side character but i guess in fashion that doesn't happen as much but it's because the muse you need her to sell stuff because she's like the
0: archetype of slayage yeah i kind of wrote about that in an article i wrote for id a little bit like the connection between fashion brands and the muse, and like why the muse is so essential to marketing. I interviewed this fashion historian, Caroline Elenowitz Hess, whose research focuses on ideals of femininity in the 20th century. And this kind of speaks to like the marketing power of the muse, which is the post-economic boom in the United States allowed even middle-class consumers to define themselves by the brands they could purchase. Uh, And then in this article I called, we are kind of like calling the muse the branded woman, like a very... Uh, commercial way of seeing the muse the branded woman was a two-way street wherein the brand which show their customers who they considered ideals through ads or muses and magazine readers or shoppers could also see themselves as versions of that ideal and self-identify as a branded woman or a like commercialized muse
2: that's really interesting because in doing research for this episode um one of the main things that i think i referred back to was this 2009 2009- Met exhibit called The Model as Muse. Uh, The curators defined the muse throughout this like process of just like collecting archives and they noticed that that the large percentage of the clothes worn by the women who were muses were usually ready to wear clothing and all of the grand costume pieces that are considered the most influential of that period were worn by kind of unknown models. So like people kind of showed up For muses for their personality and their replicatability. Is that a word? People want to replicate. People showed up for for the model as muse, like a Naomi Campbell because they wish to replicate her energy.
0: Oh, Um, so they just look like a beautiful life body. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it is like that makes no sense to me, but it doesn't? Why not? (laughs) I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Because when I think of like the most iconic looks in fashion. Like, I'm thinking of when Naomi Campbell wore that, like, shimmery, glittery Versace dress with the gun. I guess it's because the muse's power, like, transposes itself onto the ready-to-wear, and therefore it becomes more iconic in art memory, so that makes sense. Yes,
2: I agree with that, um, for sure. Because it is just a sparkly dress that she's wearing, but Naomi Campbell's a great example of, of what a muse represents, because she's very beautiful but she's harnessed not for her beauty but for her like supernatural energy that she has
0: definitely
1: yeah i'm glad we're on the topic of her because she has a very cute or had a very cute muse relationship with Azadine alaya who was a fashion designer who was really popular in like the 80s 90s and he was like this short little gay guy and she like towered above him and there were so many cute pictures of them together and she used to call him papa and like I just really liked their vibe and this is gonna get me started on like a lot of these relationships seem to be between gay fashion designers that were male and these like very glamazon women supermodels and honestly (laughs) I feel like I might have made this point at some point on the podcast before but like I feel like we don't really see this happen anymore because I think they were just like repressed and like secretly trans and that's why they were obsessed with this idea of like femininity and creating a femininity that was so like powerful because now I feel like if they were live they would have just like transitioned and like made it put that energy like towards themselves. Oh, you're totally right about (laughs) not on like another person or like the whole female race. Like there are so many quotes from gay male fashion designers from the twentieth century where they're just like, I wanna make women feel beautiful and it's just like Why though?
2: Um, That's kind of like Marc Jacobs' turn. Now that I think like gender exploration has been destigmatized, you see Marc Jacobs wearing the most insane, beautiful outfits on Instagram. And he kind of has become his own muse and is like embodying probably his vision for his entire career, which is probably ended up just being wanting to feel very beautiful and living vicariously through the models that he used.
0: I like um, that example because Mark Jacobs used to be famously very dumpy in appearance. Um, mm-hmm. There was a phase early in his career where he was kind of overweight and would wear like baggy khakis and had greasy hair. And now he's just had this epic transformation. And I think it seems like Instagram has really helped him with that
2: mm-hmm. as like
0: maybe a platform for him to express himself without having to make it like an editorial moment through a magazine oh definitely
1: he's like into drag queens and stuff it's like very Mm -hmm. gay um Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i I guess
1: fashion designers in general like i think they used to be taken more seriously if they didn't embody their brand in that way like there was no obligation for fashion designers to be super fashionable or like turning looks all the time which i think is cool um but also there are examples like coco chanel where like her whole fashion philosophy was she just like made clones of herself. Like she took her personal style and just hit copy paste on like a bunch of girls on the runway.
0: When I was writing about this idea of like the fashion archetype for ID, Chanel like created the idea of the blank brand woman. Like, so like the Chanel woman or like the Dior woman, basically because she was so interested in her own essence that like she truly created this chanel archetype which was like a full lifestyle this like liberated woman that she was that loved like jet setting and being leisurely and doing all these like boring 20s things and then she also this is just like a little side note she was the first designer to brand a perfume and obviously perfume is like an essence and so it gave mm-hmm. women like a way to further make themselves into the chanel woman i
2: i really like that idea a lot like one of my favorite movies is throughout fashion history is Isabella Blow. And she was an aristocratic woman in the UK who discovered uh, Alexander McQueen at Central St. Martin's. So she went to go see his graduation show and fell in love with his clothing and bought the entire collection. And she was this very eccentric, rich woman who would wear entire birds on her head Uh, you guys should definitely look her up. Her style is insane and so beautiful. And she's kind of a homely woman. She has very much like British royalty face, but she was Alexander McQueen's muse. And I think it's very interesting to compare her to Naomi Campbell, because I think that they both have this supernatural energy about them, but their physical appearance is drastically different but they both are able to harness the title of muse because there's something ineffable, like a libidinal energy about both of them that they just radiate all the time. And certain people are drawn to that sort of thing. And I think on top of the egg theory that Alexi just said, um, there's also, this is kind of like out there, but I think also gay men in the past maybe were transposing their impulse to procreate onto They're fashion muses because I think that like women represent creativity and creation just because they're like the creators of life and gay men are able to kind of like fulfill this like procreative, creative necessity that they may feel via Creating something like, or like gestating an
0: artistic vision through a woman. Is that crazy? I don't know. I mean, no, that's That's really good. That's like calling, that's like Naomi Campbell.
1: Yeah, you form a domestic partnership of sorts
2: when you Mm -hmm. have a muse. Yeah, and and then Isabella Blow and Alexander McQueen famously had a very tumultuous relationship, and she unfortunately killed herself. And that took a huge psychological blow on Alexander McQueen. And after that and on top of his mother dying he also unfortunately took his life. So this specific like muse master relationship is really like quintessential of like the the role of muses with artists throughout history. It's always really tumultuous and torturous because I'm sure it's like you resent the artist greatly because he's harnessing your energy and essentially just like ripping off like your vibe. Wait, that's, all the credit. Yeah,
1: and Alexander McQueen like didn't really take Isabella on the come up whenever he like sold his brand to Gucci. Like I think she was upset about
2: that, right? They had like a huge falling out, and she started she went like crazy after that, and like started like crashing her car into supermarkets and like just doing like crazy things because she literally plucked Alexander McQueen out of obscurity. He was like a working class um, son of a taxi driver. And he became like this giant star through her connections and he didn't even credit her.
0: I thought I always thought Isabella Blow killed herself after Alexander McQueen killed himself, which kind of speaks to how entangled they were. Like I always thought that she was so sad that he died that she killed herself. But he also had another muse called Annabelle Nielsen, who similarly was like a a Brocken Brit born into an <laughs> aristocratic family. <laughs> Annabelle met McQueen through Isabella Blow. Speaking of like the pain that kind of seemed to—I don't know. Would you guys say that there's—I don't know—there's like this weird, painful aspect to muse and master relationships? It seems. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely it, like
1: it's... creates resentment, especially if you're thinking yeah. about like this relationship being more than about creativity and it's like a business thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she She's... technically was like an early investor, like. Yeah, and like advocated for his career uh, so you would expect some kind of returns on that not only on like an interpersonal friendship level but like maybe in the money way as well
2: yeah Well, also it's such a parasitic relationship and if the master uses the muse to like do the things that he can't do so obviously like the master is probably very torturous and resentful of the muse and the muse is just being her energy is just being like sucked out so it's like a super toxic relationship.
0: Drinking. Like I have, a, I have a good example of that, which is um, so. Like I said, Annabelle Nielsen was his other Isabella Blow, Uh and she also bankrolled him as well. But when they met in her early twenties, she said, "I turned up, and what he loved actually was that I was thin, far thinner than I am now. He was excited." It was you're so skinny with a massive smile on his face <laughs> people who have been a bit hurt are like wounded birds flocking together he thought i was more vulnerable than he was so that quote i kind of shocked me when i read it for some reason just because i don't know mcqueen was like notoriously chunky mm-hmm. that sounds so bad i don't mean it like that but like him getting so excited by her being like skinny and looking like a, a wounded bird does kind of speak to that ability of the muse to do like what the master cannot do
2: yeah it's true a
1: really weird like sadomasochistic element to him because like he's obsessed with the femme fatale but also Mm -hmm. with like women being brutalized but also (laughs) like this weird kind of yeah death and empowerment like the highland rape collection and everything he came under a lot of criticism for that he has this one really funny quote where he said, critics who labeled me misogynist got it all wrong. They didn't even realize most of the models were lesbian. <laughs> so he was
2: very much pesbian in his own way. He was That's a pesbian, so I think he just identified with femininity so much and resented his inability to, I guess, personally manifest it within himself.
1: Yeah, he was mad at misogyny, but like the way that he expressed that just didn't. I don't know. I think it worked, yeah. but I could definitely see how it got, like, misinterpreted. Yeah. Um, so, am I allowed to say f***? Like, you guys think
2: that's okay? Um. Probably. I don't know. I actually, one of my gay friends got really mad at me for saying that the other day.
0: But what if I'm saying it with, like, "f"? Tag"? There's a famous tweet that says Mark Fisher quotes isn't allowed to say f***. <laughs> really? Yeah, this guy from People's <laughs> Union tweeted it a couple of years ago, and then Walter, I guess, looked me up and tweeted it again. So, <gasps> oh my god! But whatever,
1: I'll just bleep it out. So, like, I, mean, I think you could say it. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's more offensive that we constantly talk about egg theory. So I'm like,
1: yeah.
0: I, I think. F- Do you really think it. so?
1: Like, I'm literally an egg. So, <laughs> yeah. At the core of many great muse master relationships is the relationship between. uh hag and her <laughs> <laughs> <Beep>. <laughs> uh, and honestly I feel like I'm a voice of expertise on this because I've had so many gay male friends throughout my life like my gay roommate just made me like a dress like that's how deep I am into this um <laughs> into my haggardom there's just something about me that attracts gay men and I like take it as a compliment but is like is this relationship even still like valid anymore like because i feel like the vestigial function of having a hag was for like the illusion of straightness like for gay men it was important to be seen engaging with like hyper feminine women so like people wouldn't think they're gay
2: yeah but historically that was definitely i read a study on this and that's what they found like a scientific study so
1: <laughs> guys you sci- academically studied hags
2: <laughs> ha- yeah them
1: yeah, and I I did um undercover research pretending to, like, gay people. Um, <laughs> oh, I guess, well, we started talking about Julia Fox. Like, she's literally the muse of this episode and of, like, society these days. But it kind of not implying that... Oh, well, she literally was a dominatrix. Um, but I feel like sex workers are often, like, muses throughout history. Like, prostitution was a major theme of Impressionist art and a lot of, like, creative types... In early modernism Like fell in love with prostitutes Because they personified urban life And also like You could kind of Like buy their time So even if you couldn't like actually pull a hot girl Like you could Pay her to hang out with you And it's definitely like a trope To have like A sensitive and creative guy Falling in love with this like apathetic girl Who entertains his fantasies I think we need an a new relationship like that i don't know
0: yeah and well, prostitutes but think- they would also get naked which is really helpful for those in the um the <laughs> <laughs> getting the juices flowing um, it gets the juices flowing it really does yeah. yeah it's definitely i mean prostitutes are just experts at being
2: exactly what you want them to be and they're supposed to be very malleable and so i think amuse whether a sex worker or just a like baddie aristocrat, as Biz likes to call them. Um, They probably have to be women who are extremely adept at being chameleons and adapting to every single situation possible. Um, That's why I think the muse is, even in its origin, she's almost like a pipeline into the divine. And so women who are really good at Uh, inspiring male attention and male creativity are just really good translators of their souls they could kind of read what they need and embody it Um,
1: yeah for sure while we're on the topic of like criteria for like becoming a good muse I think that the reason the the musical feel has gone so (laughs) wrong today is because a lot of like so-called it girls or muses don't seem to have like a genuine interest in fashion and I feel like that should be like a prerequisite like models like Kendall Jenner like I feel like she just got into modeling because like she didn't have a natural adeptitude for anything else and she just like happened to be pretty same with like a lot of Nepo models Mm -hmm. and so many of them subscribe to this like off-duty model style that's really boring and it makes it kind of hard to take them seriously whenever they're like actually doing fashion stuff because it looks like they're just like themselves but wearing a costume when they're on the runway or or, like in shoots or whatever. And it seems like they have no connection to fashion at all outside of like it's their job. Mm -hmm. So I feel like muses need to have like a personal style that inspires you to begin with. And not just be like on some build a bitch shit where they just like get passed around and dressed up by like a bunch of different brands. Mm -hmm. Thoughts?
0: I have some thoughts. I have some serious thoughts on that. Okay, so this is gonna go into my batty aristocrat theory. I guess to preface what I what I'm going into, a lot of muses throughout the 20th century and into present day, but now we're kind of getting away from this because of the, the rise of like bland Nepo models. They were all these like batty aristocratic women, like Lulu Delafez at Y for YSL, Isabella Blow, Cara Delevingne, Stella Tennant, Audrey Hepburn, these bitches were all aristocrats. Um but they were, like, quirked-up aristocrats. Like, the, the designers love the type of woman who is born into this really prestigious family, but has a rebellious edge. They're like, the original quirked-up shoddies in fashion. But, like, uh, yeah, I think that's really true, is that these women... There was something interesting about the way they contrasted their really suitable, uh, elite backgrounds with their quirky fashion... It was whimsical.
1: Yeah, and I guess they had their riches to like have an investment in fashion in the first oh, place Oh, yeah, like, a connection that, to the fashion world.
0: That's another p- point I wanted to make, was that like a muse and practicality was someone who had time to devote themselves to a life of leisure and of the arts. But models were like working girls. Muses didn't need a check. Uh so I think that's like the the big difference is it's kind of hard to be inspired by someone who is on the job like on on the clock yeah grinding up, right? <laughs> yeah unless she's a prostitute unless she's a prostitute that's that's true. lady of the night yeah well I will I will say yeah.
2: actually you're probably right because I think um we're seeing like the death of the muse and the death of the batty aristocrat once like the aristocratic class stopped being patrons of the arts you know like that was a very classical um relationship was like the insane, mentally ill artist and like his aristocratic funder or whatever. And I almost would venture to say that Isabella Blow is like one of the last people to really embody that. Um, Because I guess like when a muse is also your patron, um, you start to like, I don't know, like um, ascribe very powerful, ideas to like they're literally they a god they... in your head because exactly. they make your vision
0: possible in like so many ways exactly
2: yeah they're they're the interlocutors yeah you gotta fuck with the vision well we can also talk about biz you wrote this article for id but yeah you kind of talked about kind of how muses don't really exist anymore in fashion um and i wanted to get you to talk a little bit more about like your theories about what you what some of the
0: in causes you believe uh, um <laughs> uh i forgot i wrote this like i said so yeah it's really gonna i really have to extract this from my mind this article went viral for um hate dang like, i was with alexi remember we were eating dinner and that like article got posted on the instagram and so many Why people we were mad dinner? about it at tia's house oh my god <laughs> yeah that was funny um i think i gotta come back to this i gotta be honest like there's just i need to like i need to read through it Uh, okay i can say some reasons why i think that like oh
2: yeah
1: as i said like it girls or muses today don't have a genuine interest in fashion i think that brands like care way too much what the public thinks and so they're just not likely to like platform someone who even though they might have like A really strong essence or, like, a really random background, they're not going to, like, platform someone who is, I don't know, not, like, a well-known public figure. And there are so many of these, like, well-known public figures to choose from in every industry and also, like, social media come up people And, I don't know, brands just seem, like, really desperate to, like, capitalize on followers. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're doing market research on, like, who should be the face of whatever. Like, you could literally tell me that, like, Zoe Kravitz is the face of Armani, and I would just be like, you know what, sure. Like, it seems like they're just, like, randomly appointing people to do things like this. Um, And it also seems like muses today, like, low-key belong to the streets and have, like, no type of brand loyalty, like, whereas I feel like in the 90s models would be more likely to associate with themselves with like a particular brand or at least like make that
0: loyalty obvious on like a personal level i can i can actually give more historical context on that from this article mm-hmm. uh so uh-huh. that is totally true that women used to like pledge their allegiance more to one brand and it's because like a woman's status was elevated further if she was able to commit herself and her wardrobe entirely to just one designer because that also meant like that designer had to be committed to her and like want to dress her and do couture looks for her. And as Balenciaga famously said, a woman of fashion cannot be elegant unless she patronizes a single dress owner. Um, And then just like kind of a funny little anecdote was like after Balenciaga closed his house in 1968, with the declaration that there was no one left to dress, which is a crazy thing to say. Slay. Uh so slayful, <clears throat> so dramatic. Uh Mona Van Bismarck, who is a socialite and devoted patron of his, allegedly wept behind closed doors for three days straight and like locked herself away. <gasps> crazy, right? But um <laughs> It's like those memes, it's like, What about me? Like, was your tweet about me? <laughs> like imagine
1: patronizing a brand, they're like, There's no one left to trust. Yeah, actually. yeah. <laughs> That's really funny because I feel like every brand now has like the opposite like kind of copywriting where they're just like the like whatever woman is every woman, you know. So it, it's really dope to like imply mm. that no one is inspiring to
2: you. I have like two points on this, which is First is like, I think that brands um, or anyone that is using market research to sell something, they un- underestimate how archaic and rudimentary the algorithm is at this point. Like, I think that the algorithm is really good at, find- at generalizing things, but at the same time, it's still very primitive. Like, it's it's not perfect and everybody underestimates like how well like the algorithm can actually measure the essences and beauties of what human beings are naturally drawn to um because they're just kind of like statistical machines and then also i think i, I kind of want to um maybe throw this theory out that i think maybe we're not lacking muses but i think that we're lacking masters yeah. we've lost all the confidence and like authority i think exactly like because i was thinking about this and i was trying to identify like a muse of the modern day and this is kind of random, but I even think like Emma Chamberlain could be considered kind of a muse because by the definition that like the curators of the Met exhibit model is muse presented that like this is like a like an aesthetic ideal and an energetic ideal of an age repackaged and ready to wear for people to aspire to like mimic. Um, Emma Chamberlain is definitely like a very popular muse, but she's a muse without a master. She's just kind of like the institution that she represents is Instagram, so she's not like the Chanel woman, but she's like the Instagram yeah. woman.
1: Louis Vuitton like stuck their claim in her, but it literally makes no sense because they're such like an old-timey heritage brand, and they started dressing her in these busted logo mania like brown leather outfits, and it just made no sense at all.
0: She kind of has like a 20th century face to me. Like she has those giant eyelids. Yeah, she has like a
2: flapper face. Mm-hmm. Like she has very
0: like 1920s. Like- I was gonna say she reminds me of uh, Gabrielle Chanel, like Coco Chanel, her face. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Why doesn't Chanel
1: get her? Chanel is too busy with K-pop idols. <laughs> I like. She that. would look
0: so good in Chanel. There's this one editorial she did where she was wearing all these like flowy bows. Why did I just say that Emma Chamberlain looks like Coco Chanel? <laughs> I'm like looking at Coco Chanel and what they don't look like but <laughs> i think because you've seen like drawings of her in yeah, like a 1920s yes. style there's just something about she um, like,
2: uh. yeah she looks like a fashion illustration from the 1920s yeah dude like Lanvin
1: should get her or Lanvin. Mm. Lanvin. from that time Lanvin. paul Poiret needs to have a
0: comeback in oh my god there. seriously <laughs> wait i haven't i have a downfall for this so this article i wrote technically is not about the Muse specifically, but like the marketing version of the Muse, the branded woman. But to this formula of like, it was the most glamorous thing possible to have just one single designer dress you kind of went unchanged and unchallenged until the 90s, which is kind of when mix and match dressing gained popularity. The historian Caroline Alinowitz Hess noted that Anna Wintour's famous first Vogue cover in November 1988 showed a turning point in style because of the combination of high fashion the model was wearing christian lacroix couture on top and then acid wash jeans so they're like was suddenly this idea that an artful mix could be better than any designer's complete look and i thought that was interesting like brand loyalty obviously didn't entirely disappear like we had madonna being like the face of tom ford's gucci for a while and lots of logo mania in the 2000s and stuff but Mm -hmm. still interesting well i think also it's it's it does make sense
2: like in the 90s because the 90s is really when high fashion hit the mainstream and became marketable to a mass audience because models became celebrities Mm -hmm. once that like once these brands tapped into like a mass audience that kind of like lowers the idea of the muse as this like divine inspiration and more as like something to emulate by the horde of like the public or something
1: (gasps) This, this gives me another thought another one of my muse criteria is that creatives should meet their muse like if not totally by chance then by like somewhat chance like you shouldn't be meeting your muse in like a meeting at, like, a boardroom, mm-hmm. or, like, over Instagram DMs or something, you should come across them in a very natural way. Um, yeah. Which kind of connects to our thoughts during, like, the Nepo Baby episode regarding casting and, like, the serious deficit of supermodels because of, like, the bureaucracy of this process in this day and age. Um,
2: yeah, wasn't Naomi Campbell scouted from, like, a shopping mall? Or, uh, I think it was Kate Moss. She was, like, scouted from, like, an airport or something. Right? Yeah, I believe it. Like, someone just, like, saw her.
0: <laughs> I might, I might... I love mute yeah, like confused. model casting stories because you could never tell if they're true or not. It's always like, right. I was casted in the stall of the bathroom at the airport. <laughs> like, I was at the airport, I was so pretty, they just knew I was pretty <laughs> through the stall. Um,
2: yeah, she was in line at Annie's pretzels and some guy just stopped her and was like,
0: You look like mm, I don't know. But I, I agree that Alexi that ties into what I was saying about like how a lot of the first most important muses were these aristocratic women with a lot of free time because they're not going to be mm-hmm. in like actual serious meetings with designers it's just more like ladies who mm-hmm. lunch styled meetings uh yeah and a lot of this mixing well, was done at like uh like clubs society and stuff events. society events yeah well, that
2: um the like i think it is like this like divine providence that you would meet your muse and kind of like ties into even just like the origin of western civilization like the greek word for civilization i'm not going to try to pronounce it but it's like it looks like it's pronounced paideia, Um, but it also means education so the greeks had like civilization and education is like the same word because they were very unique in that they believed that men progressed in civilization, not by gaining power or wealth, but by educating themselves. And so the muse as like this interlocutor between creative and intellectual inspiration, she's almost like the force that's driving progress in society. Literally like the divine force of God, like driving you forward, you know, it's like very classical. And then whenever you kind of utilize her as like a, Ruler. I don't know where I was going with that. Actually, I was trying to say Um, I like the
1: civilization idea, though. I guess also, yeah, there's just like a demystification of the idea of inspiration in this day and age, because now we kind of have this idea of productivity, and it's like if -hmm. you like have the right biometrics or whatever, like you'll be more productive and like able to work, and that even applies to creativity. Also, I guess creatives just do drugs now, but. I think like back in the day, it was very like either the muses are with you or they aren't, and when they're with you, you get this like strike of creative impulse, and when they're not, it's just like waiting for them to show up. But now it's just like you would um take Adderall or something. Or, like, you would look yeah. at her Instagram yeah. feed. <laughs>
0: take, yeah. take Adderall and look at your her, her Instagram feed. Yeah, um, literally send her sketchy DMs. Um, <laughs> yeah i'll swipe up on her story yeah so you went horny dm sure yeah. <laughs> um i want to talk about proust's muse because what you said about education i honestly was like um not confused but just like a, a, it's, a long, it's like a complicated <laughs> idea you know but i get it yeah and i think it's cool um <laughs> yeah sorry. no no I'm, I'm like very no i like it it's cool it's it's um it's high level i just want to <laughs> say that even proust's muse was a really fashionable hot aristocrat the the woman but the woman by the name of countess elizabeth griffel queen of the, she was Ooh. like she was like the queen of the Parisian salons for a while and she inspired a character in in search of lost time um and yeah, it's, there was actually a whole exhibition on her at the museum at FIT a couple of years ago. Mm. And I just really liked, actually, this is not specifically related to Proust, but um, I liked someone the way someone described her appearance, which was, they described her eyes as black fireflies. The color of her eyes was unusual, uh, as Mina Curtis, who visited her, noticed her eyes were like the dark purple brown tinge petals of a rarely seen pansy. I don't know, I just like how we do and do these like supernatural qualities onto muses because it's like she just had brown eyes, you know, but there's something <clears throat> about them that inspired people and inspired Bruce. Yeah. They were the windows to her yeah, soul. Honestly
1: that's that's why I think I wrote about like the pre Raphaelite muses and how they were kind of like hitting at the same time as um also, pre-Raphaelites were, like, an artistic movement uh, in...
2: Like, mid-1800s-ish. Yeah. And so they were
1: kind of, like, hitting at the same time as, like, the advent of photography. But these guys were also creating these really beautiful paintings of these women where they were, like, mythological figures or, like, h- super highly decorative goddesses. But then we have these pictures of them looking, like, totally average. And I feel like you can't really have that level of like mystique anymore because they're like super high def photos of like every single like person that could ever possibly be a muse. We need some kind of low quality muse. That's why I think Meg is a perfect muse yeah Megs superstar.
0: Princess. but she like tra- she Just... definitely transcends that, yeah, yeah, I think she is like um masterless. like she is yeah, she's definitely her own muse, which oh, is, yeah, like, she is her own muse, which maybe yeah. I don't know. we don't have a quote from Meg on that, but.
2: <laughs> yeah. She's both master and agrees. Yeah. You know? yeah,
1: very impressive. She also has yeah. a genuine interest in fashion. Is <laughs> mm-hmm. like extrovert party girl vibe. Like we just need more muses like her.
0: But then, yeah, it's true. It's so hard to do that now because people are so hyper curious about people's backgrounds. When there is someone that has that like special charisma, people are like always trying to figure out if they're nepo baby, if their parents are rich. um yeah, I remember, like, like Axel Weber was my muse. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was TikTok's <laughs> muse for a while. He really was. Um, yeah. For example, like Paloma Picasso, obviously the daughter of the the Pablo Picasso, was one of YSL's <laughs> main muses. And I think if it was the same thing today, people would be obviously people were fascinated with her like lineage back then, and that's obviously a big part of why she was uh, a muse. And so fascinating, but I think they would be like hyper fixated on it today and it would like dilute her power somehow.
2: I think people are very averse to feeling a loss of control over their own emotions. And I think that beautiful art and beautiful muses can inspire that sort of like loss of control and surrendering. And so I do think like it's almost like everyone's just trying to invalidate anything that can potentially cause them to, like, lose control over themselves and, like, their own perception of the world. To ejaculate. Yeah, I think it's very, just
1: because they want it to be them, so they have to find a reason, like, oh, like, that's not me because I don't have rich parents, or, like, that's not mm-hmm. me because I, like, don't live in this, mm-hmm. like, area or whatever. But it's like, that's not you because you're not special.
2: So. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's true. Yeah, I do uh, think that's important, which is, like, we talked about this, that a lot of these rich ladies were quirky, but that was really important to why they are amuses Like, Do you guys know who Stella Tennant is? Yeah. She was a pretty famous model that was popular, especially during the 90s. And of course, she came from like an unconventional aristocratic family in Britain. But she also had like the septum piercing. Like they were different. They were different. Like they were. But -hmm. I think it's because they could be uh weird and look weird without being like not able to get a job for it if that makes sense so you didn't have to worry Mm -hmm. about that yeah like we said in the nepo episode it's like i
2: think that really the only problem that people should have with models like bella hadid is not that they're like nepo babies but that the fact that like their beauty is something that they purchased you know what i mean like the plastic surge i mean I, i think she looks great and i'm not like Crashing plastic surgery, but it's also like if you were going to represent this like higher ideal for beauty, you should have like some sort of weird, like, it's like your beauty was like, um, it's just like you're like a fluke, um, type of person that's like extremely exceptional in the way that you look, you know, naturally. Yeah, but a lot of
1: people like that I'm realizing like just don't have the longevity because I was super obsessed with Lindsay Wixon for some time and Love I her. still think she's like really beautiful. <laughs> Um, and she was also, like, plucked from obscurity as a teenager, but now she's, like, kind of retired from fashion, and I don't think she, like, ever truly had an interest in fashion, and it's become apparent, like, since her retiring, she, like, wants to be an interior designer or something, and she was kind of, like, amused without a master, and not really, but she had that, like, energy, like, Kendall Jenner, where she was just, like, being pastured on and dressed up, and was, like,
2: yeah excited by yeah, it. Yeah, they didn't... Someone really should have used her properly, musified her campaigns and stuff. Yeah, they should have musified her because she was so unique looking. Yeah, she's very Uh evocative. I think
1: she truly should have belonged to like a single look, you know, instead of just like being around. And that's the same thing as like a lot of Mm -hmm. these like Russian or Dutch models that like come from nowhere. Like I don't know their lack of an authentic connection to fashion. Kind of doesn't make them like muse quality. I don't know. Like they're just like the talent on set. They're just like a part of this machine employee. of moving parts that is fashion and yeah. not like, yeah, they're literally an employee. Like they're no more important than the stylist or something.
2: Well, the muse does have to participate in the creative process. Like that's why every time that someone does like a deep dive into the history of like a muse and her relationship with like the artist, they find that the muse like contributed to the work. Like, Heavily, you know? So I do think yeah. you have, yeah, you do have to like just really, they have to have the creative spirit in them. If you guys could like have a muse, who would it be? You guys are my muses. Aww. My two muses. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so- I'm <laughs> <for that. laughs> I mean, no, I like Lee Bowery a lot. I think he he's a really good muse. And, and I liked when Lucian Freud painted him because he's got a really like, blobby body, and I think that blobby bodies look amazing whenever painters Mm -hmm. that paint in a really blobby way paint them. I don't know. Um, I like that, Lee Bowery is just, like, really satisfying. I like, um, bald, round-looking people. I think they're so beautiful and they're perfect.
0: Like, Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Exactly. Like, those are, like,
2: the perfect, like, people to sculpt and paint, and it looks so good, in my opinion. They're so ugly. I know. (laughs) Literally like shaped oh, like. Oh god, we're gonna get you, <laughs> little bald round person. My muse is Humpty Dumpty.
0: Aww.
2: Yeah, an actual <laughs> egg. Yeah. Wait, what do you what do you guys? What about you, Bill? Yeah.
0: Well, you have to go first. I like don't have one on top of my head.
2: Mine is like
1: genuinely Gratitudeberg. I love her. I can't explain why. Like something about her autism and her like rage. And her <laughs> eco-terroristic ways, I actually find her so inspiring and not in, like, a, I'm inspired to save the environment, but I'm, like, very drawn to her character. Like, something about being, like, a rageful schoolgirl who <laughs> has autism. Like, I just want to braid her hair and, like, put her in my backpack. What, what was she on the cover of, like, Scandinavian Vogue or something where they made her, like, play with a horse? No, oh, I.D.? It was oh. not ID.
2: No, no, you're right. Scanner <laughs> <window>, probably. <laughs> Greta yeah, Oh god, saying. I swear
1: to God if I find out this this ID issue that's had like three hundred cover stars, if Greta's the next one, like I'm I'm ending it
2: now. Um, no, she's already been on the cover of ID. I was thinking of that Do one. What? Really? Winking. Winking. Yeah, she has one eye. What? Just one eye closes. She had like a little raincoat yeah. or something. Okay, wait. Sorry. Let me. I feel like Sam. Clear. You're like. Yeah. Just, am like, I confusing
0: <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy with? <laughs> okay. Oh wait. You're actually.
2: You're right. I know. Huh. No, I know. Yeah, I really like, because I saw this at like where did I see this physically? it's just like I was really drawn to this. That's such a beautiful. It's photo. so surreal.
1: Yeah, she's on the
2: cover. Yeah. Of this, like Blue sky and it's. Yeah, I love her, like, gorp core
1: little vibe. Like, she's a very tactical dresser because she's, like, always getting wet on the sailboat.
2: (laughs) Why Um, (laughs) is she on the sailboat? I, I, like, not, like,
1: keep up
0: with, like, her. Because she can't fly anywhere.
2: Oh. Oh, my God.
0: Dude, she's awesome. Wait, does she actually not fly anywhere as a commitment? Like, that is truly a part of her life. Yeah. That's cool. She's just a sailor, dude. Yeah, because the carbon is this girl's awesome. Yeah,
1: her Vogue photoshoot was very, like, fairy core.
0: Is it dangerous for her to sail everywhere? I think she's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her to get lost at sea, dude. Yeah, she's so small. She could get lost. I know. She doesn't weigh very much. Overboard.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe she could float she's, so cute. It, she's always wearing like rain boots and like a giant raincoat like I just I adore her also Anya Taylor-Joy I feel like has like genuine muse energy she does have some like weird aristocratic so like pan global background where she's like somehow from South America and Europe and the
0: US I totally and agree. she has like,
1: that little like ingenue like Audrey Hepburn look to her where it's just like very very twinkly
0: but that actually speaks oh, yeah. oh wait I guess I'll answer the question I feel like I can't pick a muse I have to be honest <laughs> i feel like it has to come to me um okay like it has to strike me maybe it'll strike me during the episode and i'll chip in but yeah but the um, taylor joy thing speaks to what you're saying of like there's no designers to have muses anymore because Ani taylor joy is indeed an ideal muse for anyone however yeah but mm-hmm. it does there is the quotient of like brand deals now being so much more significant yeah
1: but i feel like also she might actually be like boring like if she were actually someone's muse
0: well her I know. know her Instagram bio from heart because I'm a fan of hers and her Instagram bio is dragacorn space oddity emoji so <laughs> what dragacorn like dragon unicorn space oddity and then there's an emoji she bio. has a
1: Kendall Jenner brain where she her, like is always like, like cat ears or something like she's just
0: like, she's dating a low musician. musician uh, so I feel like she's his muse
2: which I do think oh, yeah. is
0: cool when that happens. Like there's a crossover with a really wait Emma Chamberlain's also dating a Lobie musician. Really? Yeah, he made a song about her.
2: It did not chart. What's <laughs> all these like orphan muses? Just keep dating like weird band guys to like yeah like Devin Me them and the guy from
1: the neighborhood. That just Oh my
2: it. god! I mm. wait. Did y'all see that TikTok I sent y'all of her making out with the weekend? That wasn't her. That was Simi Hayes. Oh, I thought it was. Never mind. No, no,
0: no, it's okay. Simi <laughs> Hayes is very... The whole Devon Lee Carlson thing is like, oh, she's like very natural and she doesn't really wear that much makeup and she always smiles and Simi Hayes is the opposite where she's like had a ton of plastic surgery and... Also, it's a two of them. <laughs> two wait, of them. wait, you're right. Simi and Hayes. <laughs> wait, right, like, what are their names? I think I think it's Simeon Hayes. Oh, I think
1: okay. I think they were featured in Teen Vogue when I was in high school in like the back of one issue that was like people to watch because they had just started DJing when they were like 15, but they had like huge Petra Collins curly frizzy hair. Like they looked like the before in the Princess Diaries. Like their pre-nose job noses. They looked super like white Arabic. And then I remember seeing them on Instagram literally 8 years later and being like there's no way that's them.
0: Yep, I remember that. Uh they were pretty Public about their appearance before it's not like Bella Hadid where it's like a little bit hard to find some completely pre-surgery photos of Bella. There's a lot of them, and also their brother Faye Kadra who is friends with Kendall Jenner, said a similar transformation. uh So, what do you guys think is the difference between a muse and an it girl? Because honestly, I feel like we've been living in a era where the use of the word it girl is so rampant and now it seems that there has been a little bit of a shift with the Julia Fox muse meme.
2: No I mean it does seem like uh, the content cycle really needs it girls to like spit into itself and like spit back out but that's a, that's a really good question because because we can name all of these like qualifications for what it uses but at the end of the day it's really hard to quantify what exactly it is that makes them so transcendent personally like to differentiate an it girl between a muse is like that like inarticulate transcendent quality that I cannot like find the words for, you know? Which is why they inspire like mythologies, you know?
1: Yeah. Well I mean to put it plainly, I feel like muses have to have some kind of output of something that they've inspired. So like Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm buying that uncut gems was a byproduct of a muse master relationship. You can infinitely be reflexively like, "Oh, I'm so inspired by this person," but if there's like not one clear thing you can show for it, I don't think it counts. Yeah.
0: It's interesting to think about muses in the age of like Pinterest because, you know, there's so many mood boards that are entirely dominated by Iris Law or Devin Lee Carlson or Emma Chamberlain. And these girls base their outfits identically off of them. Which is a form of creation, but it just doesn't fit. Yeah, I wouldn't
1: call that inspiring. I would just call that like copying or like copying. replication.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's at like, the end of the day what like a fashion muse is supposed to do. They don't have the institution behind them. I I, I, I really don't think that institutions maybe individuals like Kanye can act as like it, the pseudo institution that like uses the muse to create something, which he's been doing. Um Yeah, for sure. Should I tell my story? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, wait. Alexa's a great story for you guys. We keep forgetting to get her to tell it
1: on each episode, but <clears throat> Yeah. Um Some of you guys that might follow me on Twitter might remember when I had lunch with Kanye West on December thirtieth. It was the day before he met Julia Fox. And I just think that I'm an important <laughs> part of that history and like I'm also his muse. Um And I don't really know how to explain it without, like, I'm definitely not going to beat the Nepo baby allegations, but he was visiting Belize, and my dad lives there. And we had a yummy lunch on a private island where he told me that... (laughs) Wait, I don't want to say any of this because it feels like he like find it and like post it on Instagram or something.
0: Wait, he actually might do Um, that, but would that not just be good for our lives in general? Oh, yeah.
1: It would, but I, I will say that, like, my punishment for, like, Um, clout chasing is that I look really bad in this photo that we took together. But I do believe that he has the after sitting with him at lunch and sharing eggs, etc, that he has the creative vision that does, it could benefit from
2: a muse's presence. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. He needs he definitely needs an anchor. A physical body. Yeah, Yeah. he's like a hurricane. There's there's like nothing stopping
0: him. Yeah, like I don't think he needs Um, the kind of
1: provocative like insane muse like an Isabella Blow figure, per se. I think he needs some kind of stability muse. <laughs> he,
0: he, oh, yeah. We were talking yesterday about him meeting Trisha Paytas and like what the <laughs> ecological <laughs> the ecological consequences of that would be. And I do think she's yeah. the only woman that could match him.
2: Oh, yeah. But not artistically. Yeah.
0: Like, she can't, she doesn't have the creative output. He does it mentally. I think she could run him run him in for a loop yeah on an energetic and vibrational yeah. level um yeah.
2: that would seriously cause like like the third return of christ or what is it the second coming <laughs> it would like trigger the <laughs> second coming the third coming um it would trigger some sort of weird like seismic shift yeah. like, the earth would start spinning on his on another axis i'll say
1: wait while we're talking about him like his relationship with kim to me does seem like a real muse-tastic one Mm -hmm. but also I feel like he chose her as a muse because she was already like the culture's muse like she had Mm -hmm. such a larger than life figure Mm -hmm. and had such like a immeasurable influence on society so it's kind of hard to tell if like I don't know it seems like in the real sense that she was like a trophy wife because like where do you go from there you know
2: I mean I think people often credit kanye a lot with like kim kardashian's transformation and just like oh like kim was nothing before kanye like she was not not fashionable but it's like kanye saw something in kim that no one else saw which is that she's like kind of like an early representative of this like new transhuman-esque like plastic surgery like optimized um icon. Yeah, the biohacked femininity for yeah sure. And that's why he dresses her in this, like, weird cyberware and, like, Balenciaga. And, like, she's dressed in all of these, like... I would say that her style is very dark, futuristic. Um, that's why he saw this, like, dystopian fantasy embodied in her and yeah, really, I like, when he,
1: when he dressed her, it would have this kind of, like, combative, tactical, more, like, feeling where she would look very, you know, the huge sunglasses, like, huge garments, reflective garments, or things that were, like, monochromatic in this way that was very, like, protective almost she kind of looked like a tank
0: like there's a lot of tank like silhouettes yeah dude (laughs)
1: yeah he literally armed her Mm -hmm. against the evils of the world because she easily could have been like a very soft and like touchable and approachable femininity which is what i think she used to be before like the smoky eye like sultry kind of more middle eastern way that she used to look but yeah something in her kind of like hardened
0: he did the same thing to julia fox though julia fox used to wear a lot of like soft nineteen fifties inspired silhouettes and just like soft materials and then she started wearing a lot of like rough leather shoulder pads, shoulder pads <laughs> latex yeah. tight pony well
2: I think Kanye understands mm-hmm. that like the like dystopian future is embodied in this like and like literally the fertility icon of like a woman with a BDL. Um but I honestly don't think Julia Fox I think he just kind of like thought she was hot when he saw Uncut Gems and, like, just wanted to, like, meet up with her and then wasn't actually interested in, like, collaborating with her in, like, any real way. Like, I think that she's kind of capping about them being, like, creative collaborators. Um, I don't think it was Uncut Gems. I think it was
1: when she went on that crazy spiral about her baby daddy, because, like... Yeah, yeah,
0: that was actually pretty <laughs> Like, the,
1: the timing of that, like, actually mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Me, but.
0: Uh,
2: Julia Fox, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me... Um, but I really just like i am not happy with her participation in culture right now. She just really rubs me the wrong way and seems really opportunistic. And yeah, her instantaneous teasing of a book deal I think is oh. whack. Well. But I mean, she's turned some looks that I've I've really
0: enjoyed. You know, um, I like her cool sculpting, <laughs>
2: her cool sculpting, <laughs> cool, yeah, cool,
0: yeah, that is crazy. Her cool sculpting it I feel like so introduced weird. the public to what cool sculpting looks like. I don't think. Any ah. like Kim Kardashian's stomach doesn't look like that.
1: I mean, there is like a very specific look of like lipoid stomach, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah. No, I like it. It's biohacked in a way that is kind of botched, which I think is sexy
2: yeah. and interesting. It's I like don't the know. signature. Like, I love
1: how bad plastic surgery looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I don't. Also, I do want to say like I feel like Julia Fox was kind of amused to Josh Safty, but I feel like a bigger muse to Uncut Gems was literally just like Adam Sandler. Like, he was actually the muse, and she was, like, a sub-muse or something.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they tra- they chased Adam Sandler for years, allegedly, to get him to work on a project with them. But he's I, very musable to me. I don't know why. I mean, I feel like he had a unique presence in pop culture. And obviously, they... It, it's, uh, his own muse. Oh, it's another thing where they, like, saw something in him that other people didn't see, obviously. Because people were, like, mm-hmm. shocked that Adam Sandler was in this serious, edgy movie. So, the musicality... Runs both ways, even into the the boy field. The musical. Mm -hmm. I think Julia Fox used. Yeah, Julia Fox. I think has spent a lot of time being like a prostitute muse. She's kind of. She's kind of old world. I mean, her like
1: her troubled past makes her seem very musical to me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know. Like I am. She's kind of killing her mystique by posting like a bajillion Instagram stories every day, but she still like retains some of it.
0: I think she retains it because like the baby there's like the simultaneous like you're in Milan you're cool sculpting your belly button you're wearing black eyeshadow but where's the baby and I don't even mean that in like a (laughs) in a critical way that literally gives mystique to me I'm like where's Valentino the baby at that's yeah
1: also she like was talking about her interview she was like i only spoke italian until i was
2: like a teenager and english isn't my first language i was like wait what i pull that card all the time when i mispronounce things and i can honestly say that (laughs) i did speak english when i moved here
1: also she needs to stop using instagram filters that's not something i'm used to do
0: were you born in mexico Yeah.
2: yeah That's cool. Yeah, I moved here when I was, like, seven. What? Same. I thought you were born in yeah, Texas.
0: Dude.
2: No. I was born in Mexico, yeah. Same when I were yeah. so 1st done. I know. Okay, should
1: we should we play a little game of muse or snooze that I
0: invented? Yes. Yeah. But can we talk about Audrey Hepburn first? Yeah. Just because... Oh, yeah, sure. I was thinking about who my muse would be. I'm not saying it would be her, but... Yeah, she's taken. She's taken, but, yeah. like, I feel like you could just carry it around in your hand. Like... A little tiny dancer, if you will. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, she was Givenchy's muse. for a lot of his designs in her films, like Roman Holiday. In the movies. The yep. Yeah. Little black dress. So, she, holistic musery. She said
1: about him that <laughs> that he's far more than a couturier. He's a creator of personality, which, like, I hate to give too much credit to him, but low-key does seem like he made her famous, like she was actually empowered by his clothes. Like, every time you would think of, like, an iconic image of her, like, in, like, the pearls and the black Mm -hmm. dress and the little tiara, like, that's Shivanshi. like.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree with that because... Have you guys seen the movie Funny Face? I actually haven't. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah, but you know how at the beginning actually the whole point of it is like you're too ugly to be like they find Audrey Hepburn in a bookstore for- in a bookstore and they're, like God oh, she's too ugly to be a model like she's too ugly and for some reason they need her to model for them for this like fashion thing. They musify her. Yeah.
1: And they And she's like playing a parody of like a beatnik in the beginning wearing like yes. a black turtleneck. Well,
0: she obviously looks really good in that, but I agree there's she's so slight that I think that like Givenchy's designs gave her a lot more power because she was such a small, presence, yeah, such yeah. a small woman. Um, anyways, yes. Snooze? Sorry. Snooze or Muse? Uh, Audrey Heffern. Or- muse. muse or Snooze? <laughs> snooze or <laughs> snooze. snooze, snooze or lose. <laughs> I am laying on my bed. So, anyways, back to mu- the musical edition of. What's it called? <laughs> muse or Snooze. Muse or Snooze. Take it away, Lexi. Oh, yeah. I invented
1: this game called Muse or Snooze when I woke up this morning where basically we're going to name someone. And diagnose them with muse, or if they make us snooze, because they're boring. Mm. Okay. Or we don't like them. So, subject number one. Chloe Cherry. Mm. Respective it girl from Euphoria, uh, and
2: current porn current star? Current porn star. So, I feel particularly disturbed by Chloe Cherry. I just don't think it's healthy for society to have like an active porn star as a celebrity. And, like, um, and I'm saying... My own discomfort with Chloe Cherry comes from a very pro-sexuality, anti-censorship perspective. So don't think I'm being prudent. Um, I think that the type of pornography that she's associated with has the obvious effects of emotionally and sexually numbing people who are exposed to it. It's just too extreme. Like, it's not like she is a softcore porn star. Yeah, and it has, like, very pedophilic undertones as well. Yeah, she's always or in, like, a giant yeah. Jojo Siwa boat. I was extremely, like, sickened. But not in, like, a... I don't know if I should say that, but... I think that's okay to say. Yeah. She, she was scouted originally before her plastic surgery because she looked like a prepubescent girl. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong in pointing that out. There is, like, something wrong with that genre. Totally agree. And I think that, like, it's not about, like violence
1: movies sex on tv etc showing sex on tv is fine whatever but like I miss the days when it was more like okay HBO has elements of softcore pornography that children can see versus like having an actual hardcore porn star be a part of an HBO show because that leads people to curiosity and they're gonna go look it up Mm -hmm. and like get into it whereas like I think seeing something that is sexual that's a part of like a narrative like it kind of is an end to itself or something.
0: I think it's lazy casting because it seems like what, I was. I wanted to call him Josh Safdie, <laughs> Sam Levinson. He could never. I feel like he's really invested in the ethos of the people he casts outside of their roles. And uh, casting a porn star is almost kind of like a hack into making an it girl because people have this idea where they like cannot believe that a porn star can do anything outside of porn. And this like happens pretty often. Like, there's another actually there was another porn star that was cast in the season of euphoria named jesse andrews and she's like in her late 20s so she's of a different generation than chloe cherry who i think is um i don't <laughs> care yeah <laughs> but she's like, a different, like this what i'm trying to say is this this porn star jesse andrews is a bit part and euphoria she's crossed the milf line yeah she's crossed the milf line that's that's exactly it and she actually was one of the first uh kind of porn stars in the social media age to kind of like venture out into non-porn industries and succeed. Like she has a successful jewelry line and like modeling and stuff like that. Um so it, i don't know, it just seems like a lazy way to create that quirky juxtaposition that people are really Interested in from women?
1: Yeah, it just gives like grade school cafeteria vibes. You see her on this show, and then the internet is collectively like pretending that her nudes leaked or something, and they're like, "Bro, she's a porn star!" Like you can see her like pussy online. It just is like really mean to me. I don't
0: know. <laughs> women really like Chloe Cherry, though. Like, it's... I'm confused
1: by this as well. I-, I can't think of like an actual grown woman. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just keep on seeing like kids on TikTok being like, "She's so iconic," but I think it's like she embodies like a beautification kind of look. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's like, it's like childlike bimbofication, like it still lets you have anorexia, but you can also blow up your lips. It's also
2: really hard to transgress in society these days without it having extremely detrimental consequences to your, your entire life. And for some reason, the only thing that we have not stigmatized and have like seen as like a form of correct transgression is like very extreme expressions of sexuality And as someone who's, like, very anti-repression, like, I don't think that sexuality should be repressed in any sense. We need to understand collectively that, like, the more extreme that we take these forms of, like, sexualized transgression and, like, mainstream media, the more repressed you're going to become. Like, you're going to become lividly numb. Like, there's a time and a place and privacy for certain types of media. But putting this into the mainstream is extremely disturbing to me. And people are drawn to hardcore pornography because it challenges and it's, like, forbidden aspect is, like, erotic to them. But, like, we've normalized this now. Like, that's not good.
0: Like, what? Also, the hardcore pornography is a major theme in the villain arc in Euphoria of Nate. Jacobs and his dad, and even his brother, who's like outlaid for watching hardcore porn by his dad. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah,
1: that's what the fuck does
0: Sam think he's doing? Yeah, he kind yep. of messages that to the people. Yeah, saying, literally, he's, he's, like, 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 he's like, What if I made a bunch of girl Nate Jacobs that um, are running <laughs> out in the wild? And he's like, uh, Yeah, shift the paradigm,
1: <laughs> whatever. The point is, like, showing your pussy online is not going to get you a guest spot on Euphoria, so like, don't think that's your career, yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely think Sam Levinson has some sort of weird relationship to the internet. Him casting, uh, we don't need to get into it, but like casting Barbie Ferreira, who was like a Tumblr girl, <laughs> as a cam girl, stuff no, like that. No, and then,
2: that that's also the thing too is like the
0: legacy of Rookie Mag is
2: literally Euphoria for some reason. Like, why is Euphoria so like fied in like the darkest way? It's like rookie dipped in like like the fires of hell or something. <laughs>
1: Like black tar heroin. Yeah, exactly. And it's the transition from light suburbia to dark. Suburbia
2: yeah, yeah. Sam Levinson play. should not know what these things are.
1: Um,
0: do you guys
2: have a an idea
1: for user snooze? Anyway, snooze is what we snooze. is what we decree.
0: Um, yeah, I have an idea, but it's a, it's really conceptual. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a person. So. We've been talking a lot (laughs) about. um,
1: I feel like you're gonna say like McDonald's. (laughs) No,
0: it's on on topic. It's not that fun, but we've been talking a lot about designers and their muses. But some designers actively refuse to have a muse, and one of those would be Mucha Prada. And what do you guys think about this quote from Mucha, which is "There is no Prada woman," and that is like a really big part of her design ethos.
1: Is it true? I think it's a dope for her to be like woman in general, but also like the Prada brand like is not faithful to that these mm-hmm. days. Like there have so many people being Prada women.
0: like Schafer,
1: yeah, and fucking like Lord.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I think that's a win. So that's a muse, but then also it's kind of because I think fashion brands have become a lot more global. Mm -hmm. And so they need to appeal to a wider market because they're trying to sell to women in literally every corner of the world versus just Europe. So I think by saying stuff like that, Miuccia, Miss Prada can kind of give herself a leg up to that sort of marketing. Yeah. Agreed.
1: That's true. But also, like, Prada literally has, like, regional muses. Like, Miu Miu has, like... Their like faith in China and stuff like that.
0: Well, basically, it's becoming like hyper specific. Miss Prada, she's trying to say that those are like hired employees, I guess. Yeah, she's, like they mean <laughs> nothing to me. <laughs> They're employees. <laughs> that's true. That.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, we were talking about this with um Phoebe Philo too because it's been said that like Sofia Coppola is Marc Jacobs's muse, but Sofia Coppola sent in an interview about Phoebe Philo's Celine, She was like, "I like it because it's not about some weird idea of what." Women should be, which I feel like was undercutting the way that fashion houses that are run by men always have this like weird idea of the ideal woman. So I feel like, yeah, you can gain a lot of supporters by being like a woman and not subscribing to this idea. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, I like the idea. I I think, um, like you said, like a muse should not be sought out, she should be come across like via divine providence. So, like, if Miss Prada does not want to like create an archetype for like a woman to fit into like that's almost like more respectful of the natural
0: process it's muse finding oh definitely that's so confusing to me just thinking this yeah, out it's kind of
1: i feel like it'll create a more authentic connection with the brand because it's like you're not participating in product because you want to look like this person who also has product it's because you you want to be yourself wearing product mm-hmm. But also everyone wants Prada because Hunter Schaefer has Prada, so what about You that? know,
2: actually who would have been a great muse for Mew Mew if it was not for the ethos of this is Lindsay Wixon She would have been great for that.
0: I feel she like modeled she... for Mew Mew a lot. I know
2: she did, but like they really should have like she definitely really did. like expanded upon that and like leaned into her like way more.
1: She has like Russian figure skater vibes because she just like actually got a foot injury from wearing heels too much and like burned oh out. Oh my god. We should do a rapid fire. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, muse or snooze Malala Yousafi? M-
2: muse, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah do you so. see her like, beautiful husband? She just got married. Yeah, he's Yeah, alive. himbo. She got herself a himbo. Okay. Muse or snooze Addison Ray? Muse. muse as fuck. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she's a little bit. Of a she, should a um, she
2: should be
0: in euphoria. She should. She would lighten the mood. Muse or snooze the Queen of England snooze as fuck <laughs> yeah i'm not feeling inspired by and her these days. i i actually sometimes <laughs> like to look at snatched pictures of her from the past <laughs> because like when her her little weird relatives wear her clothes like princess beatrice wore a dress the queen wore to get married or something so i look at the old pictures of her and i'm like mm, no she was like snatched but she just wasn't inspiring yeah i
2: kind of like her as like a very old woman
0: yeah I don't know why i like I like
2: her. She's like absurdly. awesome, yeah, like, <laughs> like bro. She definitely like she like inspires a specific type of fear in my heart that is like, I think could be musical. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's
1: good to be scared of. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of more.
0: Oh, uh, let's. Oh, this is a good one. Muse or snooze? Cardelline. <laughs> 2012 Muse like. After she was in Suicide
1: Squad, Snooze. But that's, like, way too I mainstream have an opinion. I thought she was great in Suicide Squad. She was um,
2: good. I would say Muse. She she kind of overexposed herself a bit and, like, ruined her mystique. But at, at her peak, she was definitely a force to be reckoned with. So I'll say Muse.
1: When I think of her in my head, I think of her wearing, like, the mosquito like, french fry. Oh waffle.
2: my god. Oh my gosh. Wait.
1: Like a Bart Simpson sweater or something, and like that to me, like she was. Yeah, who says
2: Moschino can't have a muse?
1: <laughs> Lindsay Wixon was always in, like, doing stuff with Jeremy Scott. I feel like. Yeah, but she was.
0: I think she was booked. She was very booked. Cara is yeah. a huge muse for me. I think mm-hmm. I have a good quote from Carl Lagerfeld. Cara represents the modern it girl. Some people say she's the new Kate Moss, which I think is ridiculous. She's not the new Kate Moss. Kate's on another level. Cara is different. She's full of life, full of pep. <laughs>
1: Kate's on another level. <laughs> that was mean of her.
0: I like girls to be wild, but at the same time, beautifully brought up and very beautifully funny. brought up. That is so, I'm like obsessed with this idea. It sounds like he's breeding horses. Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Carl and Chupette. <gasps> Carl oh Carl and Chupette! Oh my god. Yeah, she, I mean Muse or Snooze Chupette Lagerfeld.
1: I mean, Definitely the musiest muse that ever mm-hmm. muse. And also she literally says meow so it kind of is like a mewing
0: noise she muse. she mused you yeah she <laughs> that's muse. funny uh yeah i mean carl tried to marry her so which true. like like that's the classic classic muse quality for example <laughs> mcqueen tried to marry uh annabelle nielsen and people would call her like mrs mcqueen and she'd call him her gay husband so there's this idea of like muses and masters getting married in this kind of like playful way but um, also very serious and I just really want
2: to clarify to listeners that pet Lagerfeld is Carl is Lagerfeld's little <laughs> tiny white cat that he had
0: he was obsessed. With he's still he, alive yeah, like,
2: the cat is in the custody of of a loved one of, of Carl's, but he did try to marry this cat like he, he's he yeah. was obsessed with it like something I think it was towards the end of his life like something he was literally so autistic <laughs> for that
1: like, You're just, <laughs> it's so weird
2: <laughs> it was the greatest thing I've ever heard she has an Instagram though you can follow her um she she like posts about how much she misses her papa like all the Aww. time the cat. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah um. if you guys want some quick access photographs of Chapet, I put some another Pinterest board just for you guys. <laughs> Actually towards the end of his life, he did a photo shoot where they put like realistic white cat ears on him with Choupette, so... <laughs> oh he was, like, a furry.
1: It seems like Choupette made him, like, lose himself in a way, you know, like, because he was known to be so judgmental and, like, cunty and cold. He just was her silly rabbit, yeah. you Isn't know? that kind like, of like Hitler? He became silly.
0: Like,
2: yeah, Hitler's dog. He have- yeah, he had, like, a... Hitler was a obsessed dog. with animals. It's, like, reverse Hitler. Oh, yeah. Like, Hitler's German shepherd died, and I guess he did the Holocaust, is the theory. What? Um, yeah, y'all haven't heard that theory. Bro. People. Mm-mm. This is why dog people are scary. Cat people are <laughs> No, little. I agree, dude. Dog people have a like, control thing. No offense to dog people, but No. pet softened Carl in his twilight years.
0: Mm, oh, I did want to talk about like a little bit just like muses getting old with their designer. I think that's like beautiful. So I'm gonna ask you guys Muse or Snooze growing old with your muse as they deteriorate physically and lose their physical charms. I think there's nothing musier. Honestly,
1: like, it really bothers me when famous muses die and then, like, people only post pictures of them when they're young. Like, that would actually piss me off. There's a great
2: deficit in society of more, like, images of, like, extremely beautiful older women. There's, to me, there's, like, something so gorgeous about, like, a dignified woman in her, like, like, in between the ages of, like, 50 and 70. I feel like this is, like, the Bridget Bardot. No, that's why we but... stand Paulina Porsche. Coma. Didn't, like, some designer just send a bunch of old ladies down the runway? Or not old ladies, like, middle-aged models. Mm, is it the one that Jeff Goldblum was? No, on? this is, a, like, <laughs> like yes. <laughs> he was the middle-aged. Oh, he's kind of amused to me. He's yeah. kind of old. Dude, so... that runway was literally, like, the runway geared towards, like, 14-year-old, like, bizarre girls on Tumblr.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I yeah, definitely the Twin Peaks guy. Yeah. Like, come on. Jeff Goldbaum, like, Gary Oldman. There's definitely some weird Gary Oldman edits of him with like a flower crown some like floating around somewhere on the internet. No, yeah, that like I yesterday really... some some designer sent a bunch of like middle-aged models down the runway, but I don't remember which one it was.
0: I blocked that kind of content from my browser, so uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I just haven't seen it. Um I love when muses grow. Girl- are still, like, very important to the design machine in their old age. YSL was a big proponent of this. I've talked about him a lot. But Betty Catru and Lula Delphes. there's a lot of great pictures of them when they were young together and then still acting as his right-hand women when they were old. Which, luckily, I mean, yeah, I mean, actually a lot of muses die kind of young, so it kind of gets in the way of that.
1: Yeah, but also a lot of designers die kind of young, too. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like... It goes both ways. Live fast, die young. So it's like, it's a a race to see if the muse or the master dies first, but both should live forever (laughs) through fashion. Yeah,
0: I love the crone the crown oh. <laughs> so. I love oh he's dude. Uh, i love a good old crown so cool. it
1: gives like uh what what happened to baby yeah Jay whatever happened to baby j like Jay. just like old hollywood it was baby
0: j and yeah it's
1: like a movie about like a washed up child star mm-hmm. but she like becomes crazy yeah and, it was
2: um fucking joan, joan crawford and betty davis who had like an epic feud and then they were like they like cashed in on like the drama like the filmmakers and made them like fight each other that's cool. This genre of movies called hag exploitation, which is like one of my favorite words. Wait, like, it's actually world. called that? Yeah, it is. That's like a real thing. Oh, no, wait, I totally forgot. No, it's a good. Yeah, real no. No. Hagsploitation. Yeah. no. This needs to come back. Like, this is so good. Like, what, what, what are artists doing these days? Like, go exploit some hags. Wait, <laughs> it's actually a real genre. Yeah. No, it's great. Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> um, what's like another hag exploitation movie? Dude. Um. They're
0: all like, who slew Auntie Rue? <laughs> Whatever <laughs> happened to Aunt Alice? They're like, nurse, your happened minds. to baby Jane? <laughs> Wait, just who slew Auntie Rue? <laughs> yeah, I just looked up exploitation and it gave me some options. <laughs> oh god, these are these are grim. Like, die-die darling, lady in a cage, two on a guillotine. <laughs> these are like, some, <laughs> god, getting older as a woman is um. hush, hush, sweet Charlotte? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> I'm literally gonna make a exploitation film
1: starring Luke <laughs> and it's gonna premiere at the Development film this Oh my god, that <laughs> is
0: coming soon, guys. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh we're yeah. working on something really, really um exciting for you guys. And big things uh, coming soon, guys. Oh guys, we totally forgot that this is our one year anniversary episode, technically. It yeah. is.
1: It's yeah, that honestly is inspiring to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Our anniversary is our media yeah. today. It only took one year for the mainstream media to catch
2: up to her. <laughs> literally, <middle>. literally <laughs> so, like, to the days, for some reason, the mainstream yeah, media was able so to catch up to our um, vibe docs, but we're not, everyone ignore that. We're not going to talk about it.
0: Um. Actually, don't ignore <laughs> it. Feel free to think about it if you want to. Yeah. Anyways, love you guys. Thanks so much for. Especially for one year. For the, if any any listeners that have been here since the first episode, that's so cool. You're like the best.
2: I'm uh, obsessed with you. Um, we can be your three muses. Three muses. Yeah. Oh my god, we! Oh, I wish we could sing a song. <laughs> <I> no, <know. laughs> uh-huh. uh, but we can't. So. <laughs> all alone in the mood. <laughs> okay
1: wait stop recording